Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, we're in a series for our second week. It's a series entitled Passion Matters. We just got done with a long series through the summer in the book of Acts. But I decided to take a four or five week uh, session here and talk about passion. And I think the reason I wanted to talk about it so much was that I feel like during this COVID pandemic, and I don't care what side you stand on this whole thing, it doesn't matter to me, but I do know one thing, it kind of robbed us of passion. Yeah. Or, or what it did, it started creating some unhealthy passions in our life. And so I kind of just want to restore our soul. I want to restore the healthy passion in our life, a godly passion that we need to, to be able to pursue God with all of our heart and all of our mind, where we can be healthy followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we're uh, going to continue that discussion today on why does passion matter? And, and you might ask the question, and, and probably an honest question, I don't know what I'm passionate about, Pastor Tom. I'm not sure what my passion is. How do I find my passion? The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Passion is an emotion, and I want you to catch, catch this. Passion is an emotion that God gives us. It, it, Sometimes we think that maybe passion is a bad thing. Passion can be a bad thing if it's directed in the wrong way. But passion is something that God has given us. And the first step in finding passion is to trust that God has given you the gift of passion. Maybe you just think, oh, I'm just not a very passionate per person. And You know what? I want to I challenge you today that God has given all of us passion in our hearts and our lives. Amen. Don't think that God hasn't chosen you. The Bible states in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23... Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Be passionate. The meaning here is more than just giving an effort. It carries the thought that you're giving it from your heart. It's a desire that's, that's welling up inside of you. It's called passion. God wouldn't ask you to do something if he didn't give you the gift to perform it. Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 11, he says, Never be lazy, but work hard. And serve the Lord enthusiastically, passionately. Drives me crazy. I'm just going to give you one of my pet peeves as a pastor. Drives me crazy when there's someone at work or we're at church and people just, oh, well, I guess I got to come here today. I got to try like Eeyore. I got to be here today. I don't know why I want to do this. And, and, you're, and I'm going, well, why did you show up? If you're coming to church, or if you're going to work, or if you're going to school, let's be passionate about the things that God has given us the opportunity to do. Let me illustrate it this way. Years ago, a friend shared with me, Tom, if you want to receive from God, then be passionate about God. And one of the things, I'll give you a perfect example when I used to, and if you're new here today and you came into this church, you're going, these people are crazy. There's a, there's a lady on the front row that's shouting. You know what, this lady, I love you, Latasha, because you know what? She's filled with God's spirit. And, man, she walks through stuff that none of us understand, and she walks through it with grace and love and passion. Passion. It dwells up inside of her. And I was, years ago, I was thinking about 
or a, a person came up to me and said, Tom, if you want to get closer to God, then you need to be passionate. And he was specifically talking to me about my worship. He said, if you're going to worship God, if you're coming to church to worship, be passionate about it. If you actually want to hear from God, if you actually want to receive from God. Because when I was in church, man, the thought of raising my hands in church, and maybe you're here today and you're going like, boy, this is, the thought of raising my hands was, was a crazy thought. Why would I even consider doing that? And the thought of getting emotional in church and crying, I would leave the worship center before anybody would see me cry. A little bit of pride. We all have it. That whole thought, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and the idea of singing loud enough so anyone else could hear me sing, I did not want to be disowned by my family, so I wouldn't do it. But he started challenging me. He said, if you want more from God, then be passionate about him. And I started changing my ways, and I started lifting my hands, and I started singing where at least I could hear myself. And guess what? I started hearing from God. You see, if you want more from God, then you've got to be able to willing to step out in faith and be passionate about him. You can't just watch from a distance. You have to get involved. God desires passionate people. And I want to share this. Passion will help you keep your spiritual life alive and in tune with God. Passion is what keeps a marriage healthy. Take passion out of a marriage, you just have a dry marriage. Passion is what keeps you happy at the workplace. If you don't have passion when you go to work, guess what? You just go to work and you get your job done. Okay, when you get, and, you, and the boss and everybody else, you don't recognize it, but everybody sees that you have no passion. In fact, you see that in other people. Why are they here? Passion is the difference between a good athlete and a great athlete. Passion is what takes you from ordinary to extraordinary. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we can read a story about King David who brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the city of David, which we know as Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant actually represented the very presence of God. David was thrilled to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And, and they, it was a whole uh, 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 a parade that had to be done. And there were sacrifices that had to be made. And you can read the story for yourself. But as they entered into the city, the people were filled with so much excitement that they were dancing and shouting and blowing horns. They were driving all the old people crazy. They were so loud. If you're old and you love loud music, say Amen. Okay, thank you very much. But here's the thing. King David was leading the way. And he had taken off his royal robe. And if you know anything about it, a king would never take off his robe and be seen without. He took off his royal robe. And the Bible says that David was leaping and dancing before God. David's wife, Michael, who was actually King Saul's daughter, if you remember it, in the line of Israel, was King Saul was the first king, and then King David became the second king. She saw her husband David dancing in the streets from her window, and the Bible states that she was filled with contempt. Look how she speaks to David in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. Shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Like I said before, it's important to recognize that he had a robe. You never saw him without a robe. 
But David removed his robe and was wearing a linen cloth. It's called an ephod. And so that he could dance more freely before the Lord. The ephod was most likely not something that was, much, that, was that much revealing. It was just common. She was, it was, for her to see someone who was, it was just common, maybe it was sleeveless and he was exposing his arms, we don't know. But the idea that a king would remove his robe and dance before the people went against all traditions, it went against all customs, it was crazy, but David was passionate. He wasn't about customs or traditions, he was about God. He, was all, he had passion. You see, the king could hire people to dance before him, but to actually see a king dance before the people, wow. Michael, David's wife, viewed this action as disgusting and vulgar. And David responds to Michael in 2 Samuel verse six, uh, verse, chapter 6, verse 21. states, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all of his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. What I love about this story is that David recognized the blessing of God upon his life. He recognized that it, wasn't, that it was God who appointed him as king. It had nothing to do about what David did. It had everything to do about the anointing of God upon David's life. His success wasn't gained through his own strength, but through God's power. David was celebrating God's favor, and he was passionate about what God was doing in his life. When was the last time you became passionate about what God was doing in your life? When was the last time you became thankful and grateful? Thank you, Lord, for opening up this opportunity and started being. See, God is drawn towards people who are passionate and grateful and thankful before him. See, David recognized that every good and perfect gift truly does come from above. King David's predecessor, King Saul, who was constantly trying to king, kill David, never recognized God's favor and presence. Saul disobeyed God and showed contempt towards God. And because of Saul's lack of passion, I want you to catch that. Because Saul did not have passion towards God, it led him to be disobedient towards God. And God removed his favor from Saul's life. And Saul, it says in Scripture that Saul lived a tormented life, literally be, being tormented by evil spirits. It's a reminder for all of us, let's live humbly before the Lord and recognize that God's favor and blessings is upon our lives. I think that's the thing that I want to get a, a point across to all of us today, including myself. There's times that we walk through life and we just walk through and we don't recognize that God is blessing your life. We focus on the negative, we focus on the faults, we focus on the things that don't go right. Start focusing on what God is doing and be like King David who is dancing through the streets and he's, and he's so excited about the presence of God. Hallelujah. And God sees his passion. God pours out his anointing upon him. Many times we don't see how humility and passion can intertwine. We view humility as the opposite of passion, and sometimes we view passion more towards a spectrum of arrogance. A passionate person is just an arrogant person. But a Christian's life, in a Christian's life, humility and passion are a great combination to have. Because humility is the ability to recognize 
Guess, catch this. Humility is the ability to recognize our human weaknesses. And passion is the ability to recognize God's power in your life. This is what King David recognized in his life. He recognized the power of God's presence. And he recognized that in such a way that he was passionate about it. Look how David responds to his wife, Michael. In 2 Samuel 6, 22, he says, yes. And I am willing, because remember she just made the comment, you, you disgust me. David, I can't believe that you do this. You're a king. Act like a king, David. Look how he responds. Yes. And I am willing to look even more foolish than this. Are you willing to look foolish before God? I'll just let that sit. We'll just keep going because it's got real quiet in here. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. That sounds like a strange passion. Just passage. Just stay with me. From a human perspective, passion sometimes appears to be a little bit careless. But David didn't care. He was willing to look like a fool among the eyes of the people and his wife as long as he knew that he was pleasing his heavenly father. And that's really what we should be in our hearts. It shouldn't be a matter about the people around us or about what other people might see. It shouldn't matter what Pastor Tom is thinking about. Man, if I raise my hands, if I start getting excited on my front row, what will other people start thinking about me? It shouldn't matter. What does God think about me? Where, Where does God think about me? David didn't care if he was humiliated through the process. And it kind of demonstrates that, guess what? Passion can carry an edge to it. And sometimes passion can rub us wrong. It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always appear to be in control. Passion doesn't always align with other people's thinking or other people's ways or other people's beliefs. King Saul, David's predecessor, lacked passion. I want to say that again. King Saul, David's predecessor, the king before David, he lacked passion. He lacked passion for God. He followed his own rationale instead of following the spirit of God. And God desired a king who was passionate and faithful towards him. God desires that you are passionate and faithful and obedient towards him. King Saul was selfish and rebellious. And because Saul was indifferent with God, Saul lost God's favor. It's a reminder for all of us how important it is to remain vigilant and passionate towards our relationship with God because it's really easy to all of a sudden just kind of become lackadaisical about our relationship with God do that in a marriage you're going to lose your marriage do that in the workplace you're going to you're going to lose your job do that in school you're going to get f's on your grades do that with God you're going to lose your relationship with him draw me and I'll draw near to you we need to have a passion for God it's a reminder for all of us how important it is to, remind, to remain vigilant and passionate towards our relationship with God. And I believe it also translates in every, every, every area of our life. If we're not passionate about something, eventually we're going to lose it. We'll lose our spouses. We'll lose our children. We'll lose our, our studies. All that whole direction, our careers. Let's lead with passion. David informs Michael, you might view me as disgusting, but those servants girls hold me in favor. And I want, you, I want to bring a thought to you today. 
Because Michael, which is David's wife, she saw what he was doing as disgusting. And she said, you're, just, you're exposing yourself to these servant girls. How crazy are you? And I, the scripture really doesn't mean an idea that we think about exposing as far as sh- being uh, naked before someone. But it's more about exposing more of his humanity now as a king. Even though he had his robe off, he had a linen cloth around him. How could you look like a common person type of scenario? How could you make that? And he made the comment, yeah, you might not see it, but I guarantee you those servant girls recognize. And what he was basically saying, they recognize my passion for God. And you see, people will follow passion. When you are passionate about something, you watch what will take place, people will start following you. At your workplace, if you're passionate about your work, people will start going, man, can, can I talk to you? Man, there's just something on you. It's the passion of God. If you want to make a way in life, be passionate about something. And number one, be passionate. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commandments. Make sure you're passionate about God and passionate about people. It's interesting that just as Saul lost God's anointing, his daughter, Michael, who was David's wife, also lost God's anointing. Look at verse 23 of 2 Samuel 6. It says, so Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her life. In the Old Testament, childbearing was seen as basically a blessing or anointing of God upon your life. Someone who was childless, who was barren, who could not have children. In the Old Testament, it was looked like that God had removed his anointing or his blessing off of their life. And here, Michael, because she was not passionate for God, God's anointing was lifted off of her just like God's anointing was lifted off King Saul. You see, we, if we want more of God, be passionate about God. Amen. If you want more of his presence, then be passionate about God. If you, if you want God to restore your soul because you, you're, you're in turmoil and you're in frustration and everything seems to go wrong, be passionate about God. Amen. Don't be passionate for one day. That's not passion. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to play the piano. Oh, that's, that's too hard. Don't give up. Passion really means to push through. You have something. And you, you can create passion in your life. I truly believe that. You can go after it and put your trust in God. I'm going to preach another message. I can't do that. It's another reminder that we have a choice to choose. When it comes to humility, passion, I tie humility and passion together because here's the scenario. If you don't have passion before God like Saul and Michael did, guess what? God will bring humility into your life. But when we have passion before God, it naturally brings humility into our life. Because we see him as great. We see him as awesome. And it naturally puts us in a place where all of a sudden God can favor. What does the Bible say? God gives favor to the humble. But he opposes the proud. See, I believe passion is actually what, people get this mixed up. They think passion is someone who's kind of arrogant. No, no. Having passion for God actually brings humility into our life. And we need that. See, God humbled both Saul and Michael because he recognized their pride. They needed humility. 
Today I want to spend the rest of our time and discuss the difference between healthy passion and unhealthy passions. I think for most of us, we probably know the difference, but sometimes we become so confused and we start following unhealthy passions in our life and it leads us down the wrong direction. Have you ever been led down the wrong direction? Have you ever looked and you thought, how did I get here? How did this happen? And all of a sudden, you don't even recognize how it happened. Well, most likely what happens in our lives, we start following unhealthy passions. See, unhealthy passions are always self-focused. The focus on how do I succeed? How do I find happiness? How do I find pleasure? How do I find comfort? Not that we can't have those things. Nothing says that we can't. But our happiness and success should never be at the expense of our relationship with God or our relationship with others. I'm going to say it again. I want you to listen to it. Our happiness and success should never be at the expense of others. It should never be at the expense of our relationship with God. Unhealthy passions will produce unhealthy results. Let me just share a few. This is not an exhaustive list, but just a few to share with you today. Unhealthy passions will lead you towards manipulation. A person who is following an unhealthy passion will try to manipulate others so that they can find success or happiness. Have you ever been there? Yeah? Have you ever been, have you ever been invited to lunch thinking there was a friendship and it wasn't? <laughs> hey, can I sell you this? Oh, thank you very much. I thought you were passionate about me. No, you're passionate about something else. You know you have slipped into unhealthy passions when you find yourself using people for your own gain. Any point in your life when you start feeling like you're using people to gain something, you have fallen into an unhealthy passion. Unhealthy passions will lead us towards self-justification. Where we're trying to justify our actions, what we're, what we're doing. We find ourselves making excuses to either hide or to validate an unhealthy passion. We find ourselves getting caught up into a web of lies where all of a sudden we don't even know how we got there. It started off one, one little thing and now we have this whole myriad of lies that we're trying to cover up. Another consequence of unhealthy passions is exhaustion, tiredness, fatigue. If you struggle with addictive behaviors, you're going to understand what I'm talking about right now. It's, it's, it's the gamer who, who an unhealthy passion, it's not, nothing wrong with being a gamer, but it's a gamer that just can't stop gaming and ends up playing a game all night and then he arrives at work exhausted. It's the drinker who just needs one more drink. Just one more. Just one more. But then arrives at home to his wife and children smashed. And is not really a good father. You see, that's the opposite of healthy passions. It's what unhealthy passions can do in our life. There's many many examples. You can fill in the blanks. But unhealthy passions will rob you of your life and lead you towards depression. Pastor Tom, how do you know that? Because I meet with people every day. And I talk with them. And I know it. And I know it in my own life. I can feel it. Come on. You guys are not awake this morning. <laughs> Can't you feel it in your life when all of a sudden you know something's out of sync? Where all of a sudden you just feel like, man, I just don't feel good. I don't feel right. Take a look and see what you're following. Are you following God or are you following an unhealthy passion? Unhealthy passions will also rob you of your potential. It will rob you from the opportunities that God desires for your life. It will lead you away from God's purpose. 
instead of towards God's purpose. Jonah is a great example of an unhealthy passion. You guys know the story about Jonah and the whale? His hatred for the Ninevites originally led him away from following God's uh, purpose. And even when he was finally forced by God through the, through the whale, through the swallowing of a whale and spitting him up on the shore, even, though he, even when he was forced by God to go preach to the, to the Ninevites and they, 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 they repented and turned towards God, his, he had no fulfillment because he was still dwelling on his hate towards the Philistines. That's a, just a le- I'm going to give you something that just dropped in me. Think about this. God can be doing something, and you because, but because of an unhealthy passion that you have in your life, you can't even see it. God was using Jonah for a whole nation to turn a nation around, and Jonah couldn't even see it. Oh, he could see it, but he was so hate-filled. He was like, no, 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 God, I knew you were going to do this. Unhealthy passions can develop in any of us, and we need to keep a watch on that. David's story with Bathsheba is another great example of an unhealthy passion that led David away from God's purpose and desire. You can read the story for yourself, and it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's a wild story of unhealthy passions. One evening, David was walking along his palace on the rooftop, and all of a sudden, he's just looking out on the horizon and looking at his kingdom, and all of a sudden, he sees this beautiful woman who's bathing. And he doesn't go like, he goes like, unhealthy passion. He starts staring. He starts gazing upon her. He sends some servants and asks them, who is that woman? And they share with him that it's a wife of, of one of his soldiers. He wanted to inquire about her. So David finds himself all of a sudden inviting this woman, Bathsheba, up to his palace. And he's, he ends up sleeping with her because of this unhealthy passion. And it was, it, she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Well, guess what? After she slept with David, she became pregnant with David's son. But she's married. It's at, this is the man I was just talking about, King David, who had a passion after God. I share this story and I put them both together because I want you to see that it's easy to get, all of a sudden start following an unhealthy passion in your life. It's at this point that King David tries to manipulate the situation by sending for her husband. He thinks that, man, if I get Uriah here in the situation, I'm going to get him off the battlefield. He's going to come home and then he's naturally going to sleep with this beautiful woman and, and he's going to have sex with her. And then he won't know that this is my child, but he'll think that it's his child. But he chooses the one person in his army that has character. The one person that says, no, no, no. I cannot sleep with my wife when I know that my fellow men that are out there on the battlefield, they're fighting for their life. And here you want me to have pleasure? No, I can't do it. I won't do it. David continued to manipulate the situation by sending Uriah to the front line. During an intense battle, he had arranged for all of a sudden when the military leaders say, just I want you to just draw back. And when you all of a sudden draw back, guess what? He's going, Uriah is going to be in the front line unprotected and he's going to actually be killed. And that's what took place. See, again, unhealthy passions will lead us to make stupid decisions. Does anyone here think that David didn't know what he was doing was wrong? 
He did. Of course he knew. But somehow in his mind, he justified it. He justified it in his, he justified his actions. After the time of mourning was completed for Uriah's death, he ends up marrying Bathsheba. And a child was born. But God was not, and I want you to catch this, God was not pleased with David and all the things that he had done. And he sends the prophet Nathan to confront David with his sin. And Nathan confronts David by sharing a parable about a rich man. And it's an interesting parable. He, sh- he comes to David, the king, into his court. He says, hey, and, and David would listen to prophets. He, he would listen to, because that was how God would speak in the Old Testament. So Nathan comes in and, and, and Nathan says, David, I, 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 I want to share something with you. I met this man who's, who's pretty wealthy. He had a lot of, a lot of sheep. And, and yet he came across this one man who just had one sheep. One and only one. And he ended up taking this man's sheep and killing that sheep. And David got irate. Are you kidding me? What took, you're saying that this rich man who had a multitude of sheep and different herds, he took the one sheep, this one, the only sheep this one man had, and he, I want his head on a platter. I want you to bring him in. And I want him to buy four lambs and replace those lambs for this man who he had stolen that one sheep from. See, David thought it was a real story. And then Nathan looks at David and says, David, you're the man. You're the person. You're the one. You stole Bathsheba from Uriah. And then you had Uriah killed. David had completely deceived himself. He had justified his unhealthy passions and now has found himself caught in this lie of sins. To David's credit, David confessed the sins to Nathan, what he had done. And the Lord says in the scripture that the Lord forgave David's sins. But because of David's contempt, the judgment of God still came upon the house of David. The son that was born from deception of, out of the lies of deceptions would die. And it says in scripture that David's house would be riddled with violence and hardships for the remaining of his years. It's interesting, catch this, it's interesting that four of David's sons prematurely died. It represents the same judgment that David called out on the man who stole the sheep. Wow. God sends Nathan and says, what would you do? David says it. And then God applies it to David's life. Allowing unhealthy passions to lead your life will eventually lead us to unnecessary pain and sorrow. Once again, it will rob you of your potential. What are you allowing in your life to rob of the potential that God has for you. What would happen if you just said to that unhealthy passion, I'm letting go of you. I'm fa-. The other day, I was on my phone. These Apple phones are crazy. Amen. All of a sudden, it gave me a report. You've been on your screen time for two and a half hours today. I said, what? Two and a half hours? Guilt came upon my life. Thinking, wow, how could that ever happen? Are you kidding me? Put that down over here. That's kind of an unhealthy passion that I have going on in my life. I'm not going to follow that. Just giving you some ideas. You caught that one? Unhealthy passions will rob us of our potential 
in life. When it came to build, building God's temple, David was not allowed because he had too much blood on his hands. In God's mercy, he allowed Solomon, his son, who was born from Bathsheba, to build the temple. But David was not allowed because, guess what? There was too much lies, too much deception, too much blood upon his hands. And I close with this final thought today. We, as a church, we, as a people, need to create an environment of healthy passion in our life. Of course, healthy passions are the opposite of unhealthy passions. They're not self-focused. They are God-focused. They do not rob you of fulfillment, but they bring fulfillment into your life. There is no need to manipulate. Catch this. There's no need to manipulate. There's no need to make excuses. There's no need to lie. Because healthy passions live within the truth. There's no reason. You don't have to hide anything. Because they live within the truth when you have healthy passions. Healthy passions won't rob you of energy. They actually will give you energy. They'll give you greater energy in your life because you're making a difference in the lives of people. I'm not saying it won't be hard. Guess what? Working hard is something that we're called to do. But we're called to be passionate about it. What would happen if we take that passion that God has given us and we applied it in our workplace? What would happen, men, if you took that passion and you went and you bought your wife some roses and you brought them home to her thank you for all that you do? What would happen if all of a sudden, guys, you take that passion and go, and go wash the car and get it ready for your wife. Wives, you're not off the hook. Wives, come on now. What would happen if you took the passion and when your husband got home that day, instead of hitting him with a bunch of stuff, especially if you have kids, that you'd give him 20 minutes and say, hey, honey, just take a break. What? Passion directed in the correct way can change your life. We need healthy passions in our life. Living within a healthy environment of passion will open up greater opportunities for your life and make a difference in God's kingdom. I end with this scripture that I began with today. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Let's live in an environment of health. Amen. Lord, I thank you for today's word. I thank you for the, your, the word, the Bible, and for all that it presents to us, for the opportunity to hear your word and apply it to our lives and allow it to make change in our heart and our direction. I pray today, Lord, for each person that's represented here today, either in person or joining us through the internet, through our live stream. For every person here today that maybe is struggling with passion in their lives. Maybe they're following unhealthy passions and they know it, they don't know how to break free from that. We're gonna talk about that next week. But God, today I pray that you would help people decipher between what's healthy and what's unhealthy. I pray that you would lead us and guide us and that, Lord God, we would be humble enough to surrender to your presence and to your direction and be able to follow you in such a way, Lord God, that you would start showing us the healthy passions that we need to get that we need to embrace in our life. For just a moment here, as we're all, I just want your heads bowed, eyes closed for just a second. Boy, I feel this really strong in me right now. It might be for someone online, it might be someone here that's in the audience. If you recognize right now 
that there's an unhealthy passion in your life and you've been struggling. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to look at me. I just want you to keep your head bowed. But you recognize it in your life. And you, you say, Pastor Tom, I've been trying to let loose of this unhealthy passion in my life and I need to embrace more healthy passions. And that's you. I'm going to say a prayer. And I want you to believe in faith that God will all of a sudden, just like, just like he did with King David, he forgave them of sins. There's still consequences sometimes. I'm not saying there's not, but we do live in the New Testament where Jesus took all of our sins, restores our soul. Today, I want you to believe with your heart that God can make a change in your life. As I pray, believe in faith. Lord Jesus, you know each person here today. You know the struggles. If there's a person here that's been struggling in their marriage or a couple that's sitting here together, they know they're they're struggling and they don't even want to look at each other right now, but it's okay. Because God, you are the one that restores our soul. You're the one that can take unhealthy passions and restore them to healthy passions in our life. Maybe there's someone that's just, they're done with work, they're done with their employment, they're done. They don't know how to get through it. And God, you recognize it, you see it. God, I pray that today they would surrender, Lord God, to you. That they would humble themselves before you, Lord God, and ask for your help. Whatever it might be. Maybe it's relationship with kids. God, I pray right now, in faith, that, Lord God, in each and every one of us will lay down that unhealthy passion. And I pray, God, that you would replace it with a new burning desire in our heart to follow after you like never before. I ask that it would take place right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. Because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.